Hey, all, and welcome to Skeptic Hangout, the place where we sit back, relax, and discuss some of humanity's most controversial and intriguing concepts through the lens of skepticism. We have with us today Richard Gilliver from Skeptic Takeout, Laura McGee from Unapologetically Me, Richard Gill from the Yorkshire Atheist, and our special guest, Kenneth Leonard. Today, we will be discussing creationism. So, Grab your English tea or your skinny orange mocha frappuccino and join us as we discuss how man was created and wait, how many animals can Noah fit on the ark anyway? This is episode 21, Creationism. Okay, so hello, gentlemen. How are you all today? Top notch. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, um, I think it's only fair that we uh, we kind of throw our special guest in the deep shit and uh, <laughs> tell everybody it. that uh, he's the only one amongst us who was actually a creationist. So yeah. Oh my lord, I was for a hot minute, but yeah, not really. I don't know if I was officially. I was a Christian, but, but never was a creationist. So this is interesting. Oh, this will be a yeah. great episode. So let's start oh. off with introducing our guest. So <laughs> we have, and I am so excited to have with us today, um, Kenneth oh, Leonard. So Kenneth, take a few seconds to tell us about yourself. Yeah. Uh, so I was um, a fundamentalist Christian for most of my young life in early adulthood. Uh, about a decade ago, um, was lost my faith let go of my faith i don't like saying lost because it's like i you know i misplaced like it's still but... somewhere to find yeah 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 or, or 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 like it was a loss when in fact i felt like i uh, feel like i've gained the world now that i'm not you know sort of tied down with my religious dogma but um yeah i uh i became involved in um the secular student alliance years ago and got into doing some debating and then one thing led to another and now i, I i'm one of the hosts of of talk heathen over on the aca and uh, frequently hang out over on the perspective over on YFNA. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, just kind of around talking to people, trying to promote skepticism. Uh, that's, that's kind of where I, I tend to focus is, uh, is on promoting critical thinking and challenging people to, to question their, their preconceived notions about what, what is. So, and yeah. you have your own YouTube channel, don't you? I do have that, yes. which do you is, want to plug that real quick. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You can find me on, uh, on here under, uh, youtube.com slash Kenny Leonard. Uh, I haven't put anything out in a while, um, which friends of mine are, are tripping at me about. I, I tend to be one of those people who, um, overthinks things and then sort of lets the, the perfect be the enemy of the good, as they say. Uh, yeah. so I've got like uh, a dozen videos written that i'll <laughs> just sort of like in the tank but yeah i need to start putting stuff out because oh you and me both like i haven't yeah. done unapologetically me in like two or three months well people it's will subscribe bad. and i'll get yeah. a notification someone subscribed and then i'll be like oh shit like, like i, I really know, need to do something I, yeah, yeah same same poor yeah. person you know is now like what led you to believe that subscribing in me would result in you seeing new videos <laughs> <laughs> i know there's, like, a, there's a there's a contract there that's sort of unspoken that i need to to honor the subscription. So no, I feel yeah. you. Did you not to get off track about creationism, but did you find that once you started um, being on shows like the perspective and truth wanted that it became harder to find the time to do your content? Yes. That's- because that's the, yeah. I mean, I don't know why it is that there are people out there who think that, especially with being on an ACA show that it's like lucrative to be online as a as an atheist <laughs> and it's like it's fun it's not lucrative <laughs> no and it's it's you know we all have to juggle jobs and families and stuff so for me it's it's very much like uh i have to feel like i'm, I'm doing something that's really going to be worth someone's time yes um and that's that's the challenge because half the time when i sit in front of a microphone i look at it and i'm going who who wants to listen to, to what i've got to say <laughs> so that's the big thing uh, yeah. well a lot of people actually but no, I kind of ran into the same thing where I was doing good making my own videos until I started getting asked to do things like the nonprofits and the perspective yeah. and like the atheist um, roundtable and stuff. And I found I was like, I just don't have enough hours in the day to have a life and do YouTube and stuff full time. So it was yeah. like one or the other. 
And um, I love interacting with people though live. And so as fun as my videos are, I just, that's what I'm prioritizing. And it seems like that's what you're prioritizing too. That's, that's the big thing. It it is, it's so much fun engaging with people Mm -hmm. and talking about what they believe and why Um, I, I could do it all day if, if they'd let me. So, yeah. And that is a perfect segue back into creationism, what people believe and why. Yeah. So do you want to start us off with what you believe with creationism? When we normally do these shows, we kind of start with what we believe, yeah, yeah. What, what our exposure to it is and stuff like that. So of course. So, so I was, I was um, part of the sort of boom of uh, fundamentalist Christian homeschooling that was happening in Southern California in the eighties and nineties. And um, so, so the, the curriculum that, that we would use um, was produced by Bob Jones university or by uh, Pensacola College, both of which are, are Christian um, schools. Um, so you'd have Bob Jones, and then uh, what Pensacola put out was called Abeka books. Oh, I've heard of Abeka. Yeah, it, it's become sort of notorious um, because, especially as as more and more people are, are writing about um, about Christian nationalism, because the sort of miseducation of a generation of young Americans with respect to science and history. Um, was very much tied to these these publishers. Um, and around the same time, uh, a group called the Institute for Creation Research was really building some steam in Southern California. So my uh, parents put me in science classes at the ICR. Um, and the, the first one that I ever remember taking was with a, a gentleman named Henry Morris, who was one of the founders of, of the ICR. And if there's any one guy who was sort of most po- most responsible for popularizing young earth creationism in the United States, it'd be Henry Morris. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, people who worked for Henry Morris would be folks like Ken Ham, uh, oh, yeah. Dwayne Gish. Um, so you, it was sort of ground zero for, uh, for young earth creationism. So I was taught that the earth is about 6,000 years old. Mm-hmm. We're talking literal seven day creation, um, the big bang is God said it and bang, it happened. Right. That, I mean, that was, right. That's the only so, big bang that actually occurred. Right. <laughs> and, um, and the, the sort of culmination of this, I'll tell you guys a, a, a brief, but very cringe story. Uh, so um, from 2007, 2011, I, I lived uh, in North Carolina. I was in the army and I, I went on a trip up to Washington, DC. And I went to the Smithsonian to the, the natural history museum. And I got into an argument with one of the the people on staff there saying that there should be some sort of representation of the young earth creationist viewpoint at the Smithsonian museum. And they very generously did not laugh in my face. They were very patient with me. Um, And because I, I had all of the confidence of a person who had done real serious scientific work while knowing nothing you remind me you remind me of that that Neil deGrasse Tyson quote where he's like uh like one of um humans humankind's greatest challenges is knowing enough to think you're right but not knowing enough to know that you're wrong right it's dangerous that's that's exactly what that sounds like to me. it's dangerous (laughs) and I remember there's a there's a a great quote another one uh, that our, our our friends across the pond might get a kick out of where Isaac Asimov was talking about American culture specifically, that there is this thread of Mm anti-intellectualism that runs through our culture where there's this this sort of pervasive attitude that my ignorance is just as good as anyone else's knowledge. Um, And that was the position that I was in. It wasn't for a couple of years uh, that I started to realize just how how wrong I was about everything. So yeah, yeah. Once the... I, know I mentioned briefly in at the beginning of the episode in terms of my Christian background was in the Church of England, which is um, generally speaking very accepting of um, the scientific understanding of the creation of the universe and what have you. Um, and I was always taught very much in the church that the Genesis story, for example, is allegory and is poetry and you can see the poetry in terms of like the repeating you know then it was evening and morning the first day and all the sorts of things and how it it obviously didn't match up with our understanding of big bang cosmology and the order of things didn't work but that's because the whole point of that story was it's the the why not the how 
Mm. Um, and it's all about God's intention of uh, of creating the world and stuff. And we did have various people in the church who were creationists uh, and whatnot. But um, yeah, one thing that I find really interesting is that that sort of transatlantic difference in terms of creationism being a big political theme in america seemingly for at least from yeah. my perspective uh, yeah. which it just isn't at all in the uk um you know teaching evolution and about the big bang and stuff is is just part of the curriculum in the uk part of the national curriculum um and it's it's completely and utterly uncontroversial i mean obviously there are there are individuals who who find it controversial but as a whole it certainly isn't uh, and i find that really interesting so for you guys, you guys, your churches teach more of the, um, not the literal translation of the Bible, but it's more allegory. That's certainly more not lessons. all churches at all, but it was yeah, certainly. But like for the most part. Yeah, certainly the established tradition in the Church of England and I know the Catholic Church as well um, is is very on board with, with the scientific understanding of all of it. And at the end of the day, it was, to me, that simple leap of, well, Big Bang explains everything, but just God did it. And that makes sense. Um, so what about you, Laura? Because you you've been a Christian and a Muslim. So have, <laughs> have 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 did you have a different perspective within those two traditions, or did you did you carry the same perspective through when you were transitioning through both of them? Or oh goodness, so my my worldviews and understanding the world was very fluid. It was very it like started at like I don't know just what I was taught in school, and I just accepted it through questioning through accepting things that were really bad through different things. And then to now where it's sort of like back to the whole, like back to the beginning, right. It's kind of gone full circle. So yeah, I didn't have just one specific belief between creationism and big bang cosmology um, throughout my, my religious adventures. Um, I, there was a hot minute where like Kent Hovind had me like wrapped around his little finger, um, like understanding evolution the way it's taught in our schools where it's it's taught like just the very basics of it right and i took ap bio and i still didn't understand evolution enough to the point where i could refute what he was saying when i was watching his videos so for me to start this religious adventure into christianity um and then later to hear his videos they were very very convincing to me i i wouldn't say that i was ever fully convinced and i was never fully a creationist but it was really compelling to me. And I, I, I held like this, I was like this sort of tightrope between the two worldviews where it's like, well, it could be one or the other, but this one is just as valid as like um, creationism is just as valid as evolution in my brain at this point. Like both make good arguments, both make good points. Um, and so I gave it at the very least, I gave it more credence than what it deserved. And a lot of that had to do with scientific ignorance and not knowing what big bang cosmology really teaches and not, or the wise, like, Oh, you know, that it's 14.8 billion years. How, how do you know that? Right. Mm. Um, and then not really fully understanding evolution and how it works. It was very mystical to me. Right. So yeah, once I got into Islam though, it was more of a, like Islam really teaches. Um, and I don't know if there's pockets that teach creationism. I've, I've not heard of any, but it's very probable that they're out there. Um, Islam teaches millions of years and teaches that God does things in his own way and that um, his creation, we are supposed to explore it. We are supposed to understand it. And so when science says 14 point or 13 or whatever point eight billion years, then that's true. But, but God still made it happen. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Did, did awesome. you uh, go through a stage of any, any kind of those stages of uh, old earth, uh, creationism or, or, or the kind of modern scientific idea of the 13.8 billion years, Kenny, as you were transitioning out of it? Or as, as was it kind of always young earth creationism, bang, atheism? That one's for you, Kenny, I think. Well, that was, that was <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, I heard him, I heard him like yeah, yeah. shove the word Kenny in there really, really. No, so, <laughs> so what's interesting is that um, my, my sort of journey out of, of Christianity was much more to do with with ethical and theological concerns that I had with the Bible, um, with with contradictions and things that just didn't make sense mm -hmm. within my religious worldview. So once that was undermined, um, the door opened to me going, OK, well, that the, the Bible is clearly the byproduct of, of merely human minds. This is not from a, a God or anything. So now what? Um, 
what, what is there for me to, to learn? So, um, basically what I did was I, I read, uh, I think the first book that I, I took biology in, in university. That was, that was the first key. And around that time I read, um, a couple of Richard Dawkins books. Uh, one was called, I think the magic of reality. Um, and I read the selfish gene and I, I was just from that point going, wow, there's just, there's just so much I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my, the, the big shift was, was looking in the mirror and, and recognizing, and my biology professor in, in university was, was instrumental in this, was recognizing that there are experts and then there's me. Um, where, and, and this is the thing that I run into people talking about like vaccines right now in the United States. It's like, you know, the, the arrogance that it takes to, to, to look at the, the mountains of research that you didn't do and to look at all the professionals <laughs> and people who have dedicated their lives to this and, and the doctors and, and all these people and to go, no, that thing I read on Facebook, <laughs> that's gotta more be more true <laughs> than the specialists now. And that's what, that's what I was doing as a creationist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and once I realized that it was just a matter of deferring to the experts and and starting to read what people who actually were doing the work were were relaying to me um that's a really interesting comparison because those two areas in terms of like vaccine stuff and young earth creationism are, are completely separate like thoughts and areas of knowledge and stuff but actually that that thought process like you've said, is identical, yeah. you know? I, I, well, the interesting thing, so one thing I wanted to touch on was, so within the, the, the structure of like fundamentalist, non-denominational Christianity in the United States, the, the key point was that essentially the creationism, literal biblical creationism has to be true because if there is not a literal Adam and Eve and there's not an original sin as described in Genesis, then you all that Jesus, Jesus stuff doesn't make any sense. Yep. So it's, it's, you know, starting from the conclusion and working your way backward, which is, as we all know, a, a great way to be wrong about anything. It so, is, but I also think it's a more pure way of looking at the, and this is giving Christians who are creationists a lot of credit, or maybe it's not due, but that's a more pure way of looking at the Bible. Like, because the, those Christians who have embraced the, the evolution and millions of years and stuff, there is that cognitive dissonance that they have to work out for their theology literally no longer makes sense. Right. Well, I, so, I, get, I get those who say, you know, it's an allegory, but yeah. yeah, I mean, if it's an allegory, then why we don't need Jesus. Yeah. Why would Jesus need to literally, no one says Jesus is an allegory. So <laughs> right. the same people who will say that Adam is just a, a make-believe, you know, sort of just so story. will look at Jesus and go, no, 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 but that, that was totally legit. <laughs> so, right. But, <laughs> and, and it's necessary to our belief system. Yeah. yeah. So in a way, I, I almost want to give creationists a little bit of credit because they're remaining more pure to their actual teachings and more consistent, at least, with what they're teaching cohesive, instead of... It? It's cohesive, at least. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and a, lot of, a lot of folks, you know, who are Christians ha- have never really read this stuff. Um, I, you know, when you, when you talk to people who are just sort of, you know, culturally Christian, they'll go to church now and then, and they, they sort of identify as broadly Christian generally because they think that it has something to do with morality. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they probably haven't read Genesis. Um, right. They almost certainly haven't read Exodus through you know, Deuteronomy. That, that, that's like, <laughs> no. um, so their, their idea of the character of the biblical God is rooted in, sort of a modern they, Sunday school Jesus teaching. Like, yeah. They think people think of Jesus. Like he, he was like George Harrison or something. They think he even looked like George Harrison. So, <laughs> no kidding. Right. <laughs> so the, the, the God of, of the old Testament, the God of Genesis um, is, is very foreign to most people. So I, I get why for the sake of, of sort of, modern morality they would need to distance themselves from a literal genesis but it's it's a it's very much a catch-22 uh, is what i'm trying to say yeah absolutely so in 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 kind of creation in the creationism you were brought up in then kenneth yeah uh were did were you encouraged to read the bible or we just preached that because in in kind of in catholicism and in uh the church of england which richard came from they have kind of a liturgical, litur- 
tell me the word liturgical that's the one (laughs) calendar in which which is repeated every three years and they they teach sections they don't the 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 crap stuff in the bible is kind of left out and they teach you the good wholesome stuff yeah, on a yeah. three-year cycle. All the, that the, the motivational messages, yeah. Yeah, is that the kind of stuff you were brought up with, though? Was it, was it either the extreme of you were you encouraged to read the, the whole Bible for yourself or a, an opposite kind of end of the spectrum? We're not encouraged to read it at all and just taught it via someone talking to you via a preacher. No, it's it very much being encouraged to read it all. Um, right. And the, in fact, the church that I grew up in was started by a handful of, of gentlemen who were all faculty at a Christian university. Um, it used to be a Christian heritage college, now San Diego Christian college, um, which it was the college that was started by Tim LaHaye, who's the guy who wrote those left behind books. Mm-hmm. Some of you might be familiar with. Um, so this is in Southern California. You've got these gentlemen who are saying, well, the, the, the churches that we see don't look like what the churches in the book of acts looked like. So we want to try to make something that's going to be much more like what we think, you know, the disciples immediately after Jesus ministry would have wanted. Um, and so it was very much, you know, we're not just singing songs all Sunday and then get some, you know, God loves you message. It was, it was a, a solid hour and a half of a, a professor, like the, the, the head pastor is a professor of biblical history. So he would, he would go deep. He, I mean, the guy spoke, you know, Greek and I mean, we would, we would get in on it. So um that was, that was it. And, and this is what sort of led to the unraveling was, is because in, in, in my experience, people who really, really study the Bible, um, it, it's a, it's a, it's a pathway out of Christianity. Um, yeah. and especially, and th- there's a distinction that I, that I like to draw where what most people do in church is not Bible study, it's Bible worship. Yeah. Um, yes. so when I first began to really study the Bible, was was what led to me asking a lot of questions and looking at it critically. Uh, once you do that, once you stop looking at it as as the you know the inspired divine word of God, and you look at it as a work of literature or or, or as as a historical artifact, um, it's very hard to take some of that stuff seriously. <laughs> um, and the ethical questions become you know very intense. So, so it's interesting yeah. that you bring that up. Because um, I spent several years as a superintendent for our chapel on base in the military. And um, I spoke to one of my chaplains and um, I asked him about textual criticism because it was fascinating. And I was fully religious at that time. Um, I was Muslim at the time that I asked him this question, but fully into studying and, and very hardcore. There is a God um, and all that stuff. And I asked him, I said, why are you not into textual criticism? Like to me, anything you do that, that looks into or examines your faith should reinforce your faith. If it's true, you should find the truth to it everywhere. And he, with straight face, completely dead serious, he's like, I don't engage in textual criticism because that's how people leave Christianity. Sure. Well, and, like, and he, he didn't, like, didn't bat an eyebrow. There, there are scriptural justifications for, for both taking a, looking at the Bible through a critical lens and saying God can handle it and not. Um, yeah. So it, you know, the, the, the big one that, that kept me probably a Christian longer than any other one was is in Proverbs where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Right. And it's Proverbs three, five. So the, when I was, when I was reading the Bible and running into all of these, these questions as to why would God as a character do X, Y, and Z, I kept going, I must be so confused because to me, this looks terrible Terrible. it can't be it can't be (laughs) yep how can i reframe this story right reinforce my beliefs that is exactly what got me out of christianity (laughs) yeah i now look at those stories in that lens in terms of like you know people talk about the new testament god and the old testament god and you know thinking about how actually some of the things now we can say are just terrible terrible moral decisions that the character of god made in the bible but I never saw any of them in that light when I was a Christian. Um, and I don't know if it's because being brought up as a child in the church, I had that sort of Sunday school sort of rose into glasses view of all of the stories, you know, and I've mentioned before about how like David and Goliath was a story about bravery and overcoming challenges, <laughs> as opposed to a story about God helping someone murder another man. Um, you know, and it's, it, it's things like that, that, 
you then look at the the story of creation and you do imagine still me now as a grown-up who's moved away from Christianity still have that sort of lovely technicolor cartoon version of the Garden of Eden and the you know like and and I think that can often get in the way of that critical understanding and that criticism of what the story is yeah. actually saying. Well, and there's there's sort of three. Well, there's there's of course two creation accounts at the beginning of Genesis um, that don't exactly yeah. line up, um, and but then there's another element of the creation myth that I think it's overlooked. It doesn't get overlooked in the the youngest creationist worlds because everything revolves around this one story but noah's noah's ark and the flood the deluge that is sort of the 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 this round two of creation because we are meant to believe that all of the diversity of life on earth came off of a a boat that was built by a 600 year old man and his his sons um so that I was hoping we would get into that for sure. Yeah. Like some of the actual details of what creationism teaches. And I saw I like it's and I, I encourage anybody who hasn't seen it to go watch it. It's like two and a half hours long. The debate between Ken Ham and Bill Nye. It's incredible. Um, yeah. And one thing that that um, st- struck me is like so we talk about evolution in terms of millions of years and how animals will split and diverse over and become more diverse over time and how it happens in tiny little steps. Well, according to creationism, all the animals on the, the ark were certain kinds, right? Dog kind, cat kind, right. lion kind, giraffe kind. And those kinds split off and, and had micro evolutions um, after getting off the ark. Well, Bill Nye did the math and we would still be seeing today 11 new species popping into existence or, or diverging from their, their parent species every day, 11 new species in order to catch up to from the 6,000 years from the, or no, I'm sorry, it's only 4,000 years from the arc till today, the amount of diversity that we have within say a bird kind or a cat kind would require 11 new species born of a litter or, or a nest a, a day. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's just like the math doesn't add up. <laughs> the, for those who watch the debate and, and anybody watching, like, like really it's worth your time. Uh, to me, this central moment of that debate is an audience member, I believe it was an audience member, asks the question, what would it take for you to, to change your beliefs? And uh, Bill Nye, without missing a beat, says evidence would do it. And Ken Ham says, there is nothing that, that could make me change my mind about this. And that I should speak can't be wrong. volumes to people. When you have a body of people that says nothing will change my mind, I will always take the evidence and find a way to work the evidence in my worldview versus I will change my mind every single blanking day. If I'm given a reason to change my mind, you have to give like that, that difference in mentality, some sort of like acknowledgement. Well, it's, it's, I mean, that, that's, that is the critical thing. I mean, folks like Ken Ham and Ken Hovind, uh, they, they have been exposed to all of the, the correct information, mm-hmm. uh, the educated, thoughtful people who know what they're talking about have, have made it painfully crystal clear to these guys how wrong they are, but they, they will not change their, their position. And what- the point where I, I always question, I don't know if this is just me being cynical, but you know, it makes me think like, do they actually believe mm-hmm. these things so vehemently and adamantly, or is it just that they're, in that position and that's their state of position. And so they need to keep on defending it. Um, but I mean, I've no reason to to think that they don't, you know, they're not genuine in, in, in professing what they, they actually believe. But I think when you, when you're faced with like, like we said, actual evidence of, you know, things that just do not make sense about, sorry, I've got really distracting. Cats like, those are the cat oh no, the cat is adorable. Um, don't even worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, like when they are faced with all of the actual evidence in so many ways as well, like to do with the actual creation story at the beginning of Genesis and then the, all the Noah's Ark stuff and the inconsistencies and the, the bits of it which are all just completely illogical and just don't make sense. And that if we saw those stories in uh, holy texts of another religion, for example, we would just offhand just be like, no way. Mm-hmm still being so ardent with those beliefs it does make me think 
do they actually believe this stuff? But I mean, I guess it's no reason for me to believe that they don't. I mean, they're making a they're making a shit ton of money off of this. There, I mean, there's there's, right. there's taxpayer funded support for the Creation Museum in in Kentucky. Uh, I mean, it, where yeah. there was just a protest. Um, I saw uh, like Eric and V were out there and some other folks uh, protesting oh, nice. again. Um, but I. I'm, I'm very much drawn to the work that Arn Ra has done in this mm, yes. world where he, he has a series called uh, the foundational falsehoods of creationism. And um, I, I tend to agree that these people uh, for the most part, the, 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 the sort of professional creationists are, are charlatans. Uh, I, 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 it's very hard to be magnanimous to them. Like I, yeah. I completely agree. Like I never want to call a person a liar unless I can actually catch them in the lie and and actually um, and present evidence that yeah they are indeed dishonest. But it is so impossible to be presented with the evidence that you're presented with in their capacity and continue I, to push the agenda they're pushing. I don't think they're liars. I think there's something worse. I <laughs> so, Ooh. a a. Uh, there's a there's a, a philosophy paper that is one of my favorite things I've ever read, and I'm constantly pointing back to it, which uh, was Harry Frankfurt's uh, paper called On Bullshit. Mm-hmm. And um, I use that word a lot uh, on you know shows and talking to people. Um, and I, I, I try to be very careful with people to make sure they know that exactly what it is that I'm saying, because in that paper, Frankfurt outlines that bullshit, the the academic working definition of bullshit in philosophical circles in the United States is speech that is intended to persuade without regard for the truth. Ah. And I think that there are, there, there is just like a, a, a proliferation of bullshitters in American culture right now. Um, you have a few in the UK too. Um, and, and I think that they are more dangerous than liars. Um, You're right. Yeah. The I, charlatan aspect of it is definitely a step up from just lying to somebody. Because they, because someone like a, like a, a Kent Hovind does not care about the how his statements relate to what is true. He cares about how his statements relate to what he has has what his, his exactly his his belief his his dogma his religious structure um, that requires these things to be true, whether they are or not. So right. I yeah, that, I the point where they're all at is the the then like now speaking from positions of seeming authority as well on those topics. Well, yeah, because I like I had I had Ken Hovind's VHS tapes in my house when I was a kid because mm-hmm. all these all these Christian parents are like, oh well, this guy this guy's gonna teach our kids what they need to know about the truth of God's creation. And he's making all that money and not paying any taxes on it, which is how he ended up in jail. And yep. so yeah, I mean there is there is an industry of creationism. And that, that is, uh, is so frustrating. I can't imagine what it must feel like being a science teacher in the United States. So here's, here's where you, what you're talking about, about the charlatan comes in. Like you talk about Ken Hovind's videos and that's what I saw. I saw him on DVD. Um, but, oh, and fancy. I was an adult and had, I was an adult. Like, I don't even know how that player. I had, <laughs> <laughs> right. I didn't have him on tape as a child, but no, but it just makes it even worse. Right. Because the a these ideas are being perpetuated and as as technology advances they're they're being updated but also um i didn't learn it as a kid and went oh yeah that sounds good i learned it as an adult and went huh that's compelling right which is terrible but the point that i'm trying to make with the charlatan he will present scientific facts on these videos that are very easy to disprove that he's been corrected on multiple times and he's deliberately presenting falsehoods Ken Ham has done the same thing where I've seen him on video be corrected on these points, but then continue to make the same points later. Um, right. That is right. where the, yeah. the charlatan comes in, where you are now making money off of a falsehood that you've been shown is not true, publicly shown is not true. And you're continuing to perpetuate these, these falsehoods. Well, there's two, there's two key things that creationists have to do. They have to lie about science. They have to misrepresent science. Um, and they have to depend on their audience not checking yes ignorance yeah and i don't mean ignorance in like a derogatory way i mean ignorance in right. a, I'm, I'm expecting you to not know the truth of what it is i'm saying yeah they they, they depend on their audiences trusting them and and mm. they, they violate that trust by then lying about the science and those two things have to go hand in hand if if either one of those two sort of core foundational ingredients isn't there creationism's toast it, it can't survive yeah 
So we are actually coming up against our break time. Um, Zoom is going to force us to take a break. So we're going to stop for our commercial break. Um, I think when we get back, it would be nice to sort of discuss some of the other aspects of what creationism actually teaches. Like what are some of the actual truth claims that creationism makes? So in the meantime, um, we're going to hit a quick commercial break and we will be right back. Okay, so uh, we've got a special guest this week. So our commercial break is going to be asking Kenny all about what he's got coming up. Oh, geez. Uh, okay, so coming up in the next few weeks, I'm uh, going to be doing uh, the perspective, going to be doing uh, at the end of the month, back to back episodes of, of Talk Heathen, hosting with J Mike, and then with this new guy, uh, Nat Dilla, Dilla Hunt. Oh, something. I, 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 no, I think I may have. Uh, yeah. Ma- yeah, I don't know. I, some new guy. I don't recognize um, it. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, he's he's we're gonna try him out. Um and uh and yeah, I I know that Ethan Michael over at YFNA is trying to set up a, a debate after I like swore I would never do debating ever again. So we'll see what happens. But but yeah, the big thing uh for me right now is is definitely talking and so yeah. I love it. So catch it every Sunday. Sundays. And depending on your time zone, what is it central? Because I'm Pacific. One wanna, okay, one o'clock. One o'clock. I catch yeah. it at eleven AM my time. Yeah, so you know, we're on the, the YouTubes and on the podcasts and on the tiny.cc uh, slash, uh, I should know this, AEN. We'll see if you can remember yeah. this. We yeah, the AEN the- network has everything. It has all it's the episodes all of everything. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't know where something is, go there. Yeah, yeah. So, do first, we have a, a, anywhere we can be contacted with Richard? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so if you go to uh, Linktree slash Skeptic Hangout, um you can find links to us on all of our platforms including spotify and youtube and stitcher and apple podcasts google podcasts all the podcasts um as well as links to our facebook discussion group which if you're not already a member please become a member it's brilliant um a real good um place to to hang out like-minded people there um, and sort of continue the discussions that we have on the show. So um, certainly go there and, and talk about this one. And we and ask we a rib lot... each other all the time. I was about to say, we ask a lot of very captivating questions, like how many episodes has Laura not cut stuff out of? <laughs> so join us there. It's lots of fun. <laughs> all right. And we don't have anything else coming up. So I think that's it for the commercial break. Yeah. I think I was one of the first five subscribers to this channel, which I'm very proud of. Oh. So I am putting that somewhere on the video. I'm not cutting that. <laughs> All right, everybody. So that will bring us back from the commercial break. I'm going to use that to bring us back. Um, okay. <laughs> um, we were talking about creationism and we were just starting to get into the weeds of what some of the beliefs were like the, um, the flood and stuff like that. So who wants to pick up and tell a little bit more i know that kenneth is probably the most educated but if either of you richards want to know <laughs> well definitely more more educated than jilliver no <laughs> well, th- this is the thing <laughs> the one who was never never religious for context uh, well yeah well i was never religious and this is i'm, I'm just going to interject before we talk about uh that because I've got an inter- interesting quote to read. I was very interested, and I'm kind of looking at you two guys who were on opposite ends of the spectrum with Kenny coming from the kind of uh, creationist background and Richard coming from the ultra-liberal, not quite Christian, until it suits them, like Church of England. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in how kind of those two opposite ends of the spectrums view each other. And I, Kenny caught me mind earlier because he said something about this. The guy was like a history professor and yeah. it, it was a, an hardcore. Now, I've actually got a quote here from a history of Christianity by someone who's also a professor of history at Oxford University. And there's one entry in this entire book about creationism. And I'm just going to read you that entry real quick. There has been no intellectually serious scientific challenge to Darwin's general proposition since his time. The modern conservative Christian and Islamic fashion for creationism is no more than a set of circular logical arguments, and creationist science has been unique amongst modern aspirations to scientific systems 
in producing no original discoveries at all. Yeah. And that's just that that's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from the history professor you were talking about earlier. So just quickly before we go into what actually creationism teaches, what kind of from your perspective, Kenny, and your perspective, Richard, yeah. would you as Christians putting yourself back into those shoes when you're actually practicing believers? Would you consider the other side of the argument to be? I'll go first very quickly. I know um, I found it really difficult to understand how people could view that literally. Um, you know, even things like as a child, you, you know, you're excited about dinosaurs and whatever else, which doesn't fit in with the story, just as one random example. Um, and I remember we once had um, a visit, I can't remember. I think our vicar had left and we were in the sort of interregnum period, which is the the bit where they haven't hired a new person to come and be the vicar of the church. Uh, and so we had loads of like visiting vicars and priests come. Um, and I remember having a conversation with one after a service, which had touched on creation about how he believed in a literal creation and the earth was only 6,000 years old and stuff like that. Um, and I remember very distinctly thinking this man has presented himself to me as a very very like intelligent knowledgeable person about the bible and the stories in there and the details and whatever else and it it didn't make sense to me how and I remember thinking this at the time and it's not a nice way of thinking but how can someone so intelligent believe something Mm. that is so stupid like that was the kind of thought process I had in, in terms of like yeah because it just doesn't match with all the things that we know without any of them uh, and obviously we've touched on that but yeah that was my sort of viewpoint how can how can it really otherwise intelligent people who have critical thinking and analysis in other areas of of knowledge and other areas of life believe things that are so stupid okay so kenneth if you'd like to respond to that from what how, what your kind of position would have been uh, yeah. on the christian lie and then lead us into actually what creationism believes Christian light, by the way, Jill. That's highly offensive. And I think I was the first one that said it. (laughs) Obviously, you know, Church of England and the heretics at Oxford, um, you know, (laughs) would not be taken seriously by your fundamentalists in the United States. And, And there is a huge discrepancy in religious scholarship between your private Christian schools and your public universities. I mean, think about like there, there are um, a couple of PhD candidates at, at Duke University who I started following recently who have a podcast about about like Christianity and Christian history. Uh, obviously, Bart Ehrman uh, at U, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I think he's still there. I could be, I could be wrong about that. Um, yes, as far as I'm aware. Has written a ton of stuff about the historicity of, of Jesus. Um, so there is sort of a robust academic tradition of, of you know, religious scholarship in your public universities that is not so much in your, your explicitly private Christian schools. I mean, and the schools like, like San Diego Christian college, where I was, you know, sort of inundated with this stuff as a kid, schools like Liberty university, Bob Jones. I mean, these are politically motivated Christian nationalist organizations that will explicitly talk about how they are raising up, Christian soldiers to fight a, a sort of holy war of ideas here. And, and um, I'm, I'm, if, if anybody watches thinks I'm exaggerating, DM me on Twitter and I will send you <laughs> not an exaggeration. It'll blow your mind. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's the difference. Um, and, but I, I completely agree with, with what Richard was just saying, because there's this, this phenomenon of, of motivated reasoning um, among, I mean, like, yeah, the, the guys who started my church, I mean, these are, these are very, very intelligent mm-hmm. men. These are, these were guys who, who were well-read, who could talk about philosophy and about history, but because they were working backwards from their conclusion and everything had to fit the, the, the biblical, the literal biblical narrative, it just twisted everything. Um, so wouldn't yeah. you say then that intelligence is uh, by itself is not a measure of whether or not somebody um, is good at determining the truth, right? Totally not. I, I've even Absolutely heard not. somewhere that like the more intelligent a person is, the better they are at justifying um, a bad belief. 
You can or rationalize. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. well, and, and it's a huge mistake for anybody to think that they are somehow above, you know, cognitive distortions and, and right. mistakes. Biases um, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I'm always recommending to people uh, to, to read uh, Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow, because I mean, it's a little bit dense, but it's just like 400 pages of here's why you're probably wrong about some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's like, yeah, oh shit. So sounds like sounds like something Richard Gilliver should write. He I think probably we talk about that. We, we talk the about that there. every episode. We, yeah, we, uh, <laughs> I was just looking because I'm sure I've got a copy of that. I'm noticing some yeah. of my favorites. I'm seeing like I think it's some Carl Sagan back there. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. So yeah, that, that's that's the one. That's what uh, Kenny's just mentioned. That's, there it is. Fast and slow. There it is. And, yeah. and next to Demon Haunted World, right? Yeah. yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> so yeah. Every time I see Richard on on the the, the camera, I'm, I'm half distracted by just trying to scan <laughs> the titles behind. I me. know he needs a screen uh, behind him like me. That's really simple because yeah, he's got a lot going on back there. He's one of a handful of internet atheists who've actually read the books on his shelf too, which is nice. Yeah. So the um, but yeah. Don't so what what, what, the, <laughs> what the creationists will 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 tell you. Um, I mean, it begins Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And um, the ideas that that God spoke everything into existence over a six-day period. Um, so as a, as a young earth creationist, um, we were taught that, you know, dinosaurs and man lived side by side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were taught that uh, geological formations that you see like the grand Canyon here in the United States that took billions of years to form were formed in a matter of days or even hours, depending on which creationists you talk to as a result of God moving everything around to drain off water from a global cataclysmic flood. Um, so, I mean, and that's just the tip of the iceberg with, with the young earth creationist stuff. You know, I, I like to ask creationists who've never, most people never really thought this stuff through, I like asking them about starlight because we know stars are millions and billions of light years away. How can we see the light from these stars? And I've heard, the, I've heard yeah. creationist answers to that though, sure. where God can manipulate um, how far away something is and still let the light appear to us so that it appears to us to be millions of years away. Right. But right. that he, he did that. He did that stretching out in a matter of like the day. Right. Exactly. It's like God, God didn't, want us to live in an old universe but he sure wanted to look like look like an old universe yeah right? <laughs> he sure wanted God. to throw some people off make sure the right he's ones a, are getting into heaven tricky right? guy. So like, <laughs> yeah um but i mean yeah the essence of the young earth creationist thing is that you have adam and eve uh, well adam so you've got your your first human adam uh, who's created from the dust of the ground and then god breathes the breath of life into him um and then you know, if one of the, I mean, there's some weird shit in, in Genesis, <laughs> there's some weird shit throughout the Bible, but it, it, in the, at the outset, there's a part of the narrative is that uh, God sort of brings all the animals to Adam and Adam is supposed to try to find a companion that, that suits him. And after spending some time with the animals figures out, they're none not of these quite are really, compatible. They're not really doing it for me. He went so, through. He went through and shagged every single one. Of them. Just, <laughs> just to make sure. It's it's certainly it's, implied. Uh, it's implied. Um, in a, this beautiful <laughs> idyllic garden setting. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. And then what happens is uh, God causes uh, a deep sleep to you know Adam falls into a deep sleep and uh, he takes out one of his ribs. And fast, fashions a a woman out of the rib, and that's that's Eve. And so, built into the story, there's also this additional patriarchal narrative mm-hmm. where the woman Comes is created me. not not as sort of a, a being with her own identity and purpose, but to serve the man. Mm-hmm. That is built into the creation narrative. Yeah. Um, and don't think that doesn't matter theologically so the uh so the woman is created to serve the man and they're they're together and then the way that sin enters the world is that uh a serpent convinces eve to eat fruit from a uh, enchanted tree um that gives adam and eve knowledge of good and evil um and then they get kicked out of the garden and now sin is in the world suffering is in the world 
the man is told he has to toil the ground and work really hard and everything's going to suck. The woman is, is said that, you know, childbirth is going to suck and you're going to have to serve the man. And, and here we are today. <laughs> Fast forward roughly 6,000 years and here we are. And here we so, are. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's that, interesting. That, Go ahead. So that garden narrative always struck me because ever since I first, and I've never been religious. I've always read religious texts out of interest. When I first read the Bible all the way through, I, I, that struck me straight away because what I'd been taught, which was pretty much what you've just relayed there from all different denominations of Christianity, isn't actually in the Bible because they're, they're not kicked out because they, they sin against God by dis, like not listening to him. They're actually kicked out. So, so they, they don't eat the other from fruit, the tree of life. The other, that's right. So they don't eat the other tree. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, that's a good distinction to make. Yeah, because yeah. We, we are really taught this like original sin narrative of God. was. He also punishes them for disobeying him, which involves putting clothes on. And yet right. there's this whole modesty thing where you have to wear clothes because God wants you to be modest. He was pissed off at Adam and Eve for covering up. Right, so there, there is also add on to it like the fact that the serpent was Satan, for example. Where oh, that's not in the Bible, or it never says there. that. Yeah, it's not yeah. in the Bible at all, and it's not backed up by you know the original you know. And be- the serpent doesn't lie, and this has just led me onto a thing that rather than kind of talking about this now, we should do a whole episode on Genesis. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to add that to our episode list while we're talking. <laughs> but um, so that so we're talking about creationism and, and Genesis kind of came up in terms of like creationists, creation, yeah, creationist need that narrative um, and need need to reject um, evolution in order to maintain that narrative. But what's interesting to me about that specific narrative is so all of the Old Testament comes from Jewish tradition, right? But they've picked and choose and cherry picked which Jewish books they include and which Jewish books they don't include. And so in Jewish tradition, Adam was married to someone before Eve. And so God actually created man and woman side by side, right? And she rejected him and was like, I'm not too into this guy. and I'm not going to give him what he wants. And then Adam went and complained to God and was like, hey, God, this bitch isn't listening to me. I need a new one. Lilith. (laughs) Lilith. Yes. (laughs) So it's interesting to me because um, so much of the creation, the need for the creation um, creationists in terms of science comes from this narrative. But not a lot of people understand that this narrative is just a tiny little piece of a broader Jewish tradition that Christians just kind of pick and chose these tiny little details here and there and left like a heck of a lot out. Were you ever exposed to any of that within, uh, while you were actually a practicing Christian, Kenneth, that, uh, the, the wider narrative? No, the idea was that, that all scripture is inspired by God. And, and, you know, the, the, the phrase that's used is, is God breathed, um, that, that basically the Bible as it is, it has been, preserved and chosen by God, that all of those, you know, councils that decided what would and would not be in the canon, that the God Nicene kept an eye on them, right, mm-hmm. and made sure that, uh, that the good stuff got in and all that goofy apocryphal stuff, you know, was that, left out. Yeah, that shit out of here. That's not that's not legit. Yep, it was so. it was man inspired by God, right? So that brings up a whole nother question, probably for another episode yes. of how do you know that this man over here was inspired by God and not this man over here who's making a contradictory claim, but still says that he's inspired by God? Because like, the Bible says so. Because the Bible tells me so. Isn't that a song? Of, That's a it song. Is. It <laughs> is. Yeah. Um, is, is that literally it? Is that the, from, from the creationist perspective, is it literally, look, the Bible says it, therefore this therefore is the true. truth. Yeah. Absolutely. That's one thing that really, um, that was part of my understanding of, the creation story was the fact that Jesus taught in parables. Uh, and I think I mentioned before, you know, Jesus taught in parables. So it made sense that God, you know, speaking these stories to humans who wrote them down in the Bible would also explain the creation of the world in parable form, you know, in a, in a non-literal sort of flowery, nice way of explaining something. Um, and so that was to me, well, within the character of God, you know, not speaking literally, but speaking with meaning and purpose. And what do they call it? That's like a post hoc rationalization, right? Where you, it's not anywhere explicit in the teachings. It's not in the tradition, but now we have this, this age of people who are questioning it like, well, Hey, 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 hang on a second. This doesn't make sense. And then the post hoc um, rationalization is, Oh, well, um, parable. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and, and from the creationist standpoint, evolution is insidious for a number of reasons. Um, I mean, 
because the, the, the whole thrust of, of the Bible is that man is fallen and needs a savior. So I, you've all heard it said that Christianity diagnoses you with a, a, a disease so that it can sell you the, so the cure, right? Cure. Yeah. Um, so if, if all these scientists are to be believed, then we are not fallen men. We are Evil. risen apes, I think is, I forget yeah. who said that, but you know, I, I love that imagery. It sounds like um, a Carl Sagan thing, but I can't. I, I think it might have been. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this idea, uh, you know, I, I mean, if, yeah, if, 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 if creation, if original sin, if all of that crumbles, if we are the product of the mechanisms of evolution, then, uh, then yeah, we, we don't need a savior. We're, we're doing pretty well. So, yes. And, and it that's dangerous. In- that undermines yeah. everything about Christianity. So. And, and it calls into question a lot of the moral stuff, um, things like is homosexuality yeah. right or wrong or yeah. is, is monogamy right or wrong or something like the, all the, all the moral teachings of the Bible are then called into question, not to say that all of them are wrong. It's just to say that they're all now suspect. Right. So when you talk about um, the Bible being literally right or wrong, I can't remember who, what, who it was that said earlier that a lot of people's belief in the Bible revolves around their morality, like less so about their worldview and more about like, what do I do? What's right? and What's wrong. And so, yeah, as soon as you don't have, jesus and you don't have um original sin now you have to call into question why is what i say wrong is wrong yeah. i mean reliably if, I, if i'm talking to people i mean I, i'm seeing richard with the sweet sweet epistemology shirt over here uh-huh. um, yeah. if you watch anthony's videos like nine times out of ten people will start talking about well how can you be moral if you don't believe in god it happens yeah all the time yeah, because um, according to their worldview, there is no morality without God. They can't wrap their minds right. around it. I did a video on that too, and I'm apologetic to me. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. We, we just I don't want to go too much off the topic of creationism itself. And we are coming I to think, the end of the show, just so everyone's aware of time. Yeah, I, I, I just want to ask Kenneth while we've yeah. got the opportunity to ask him, because it's kind of such a it's an I'd say it's an insular. I don't know if you'd agree with me. Kind of insular belief system where you've got to kind of reject quite a lot to get it. When you started coming out of that, did that cause friction between you and those around you, your friends and your loved ones? Yeah. 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 I, there, there was a, the, the, the sort of moment where most came to a head. I was, so I'd gotten out of the army. I went to to college. I had completely left Christianity behind it at that point. And I was the, the president of the Secular Student Alliance at San Diego State University, where I went to school and um, was doing a debate. And um, as the debate was about to begin, um, I, I had reached out. I had invited a guy who is a philosophy professor at San Diego Christian College to bring his class to the debate because it was all about Jesus. And I thought it, they might find it interesting. Well, what that guy did was he, he talked to my pastor and all the elders of the church I grew up in and my mom. So when the debate was about to begin, I see this sort of train coming in of all of the, the people who had, had taught me all this stuff. They come down, they sit right in front. That's and intimidating. My, my mother basically sobbed through the whole two hour event of me and this minister uh, debating. Um, so yeah, things, things definitely got contentious. Um, the, the perspective of the folks who I grew up with um, in that religious world is I mean, it's straight out of Romans one. I'm, I'm suppressing the truth in unrighteousness is what they would say. Uh, the, everything falls back to, well, the, I am, I've, I've been profoundly confused by Satan and in my desire to live a sinful life, um, I've accepted a whole bunch of science. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So we're, we're, we're aware that Kenneth's short a time now. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us. Absolutely. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I, I love what you guys do. Smash yeah. that like and subscribe button, people. <laughs> yes. You know, like and subscribe. Uh, when when I do shows, it's, it's funny because when I've done a couple of I like well, I've done one live thing with Kenneth, which was kind of a mammoth four hour uh live response yeah. video to someone. But, yeah, that wasn't uh, supposed to be four hours, but there was a lot <laughs> no, there. No. When 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 I'm whenever I'm on anything and, and I never read the live chat if I do live broadcasts, but I always like watch it back afterwards because I always like watch stuff back to make sure I've made no mistakes to, in case I need to correct myself, anything like that. And often when you watch stuff back, the live chat comes up and Kenneth is always ribbing me in the middle of the live chat. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just start paying attention. Oh, to oh, yeah. well, the, 
you were just on the perspective and I thought did like, just, just a fabulous job. And it was really fun to watch because you did not suffer fools during that, during that. Well, at the beginning you were kind of mellow, but I could see you, you, you reached a point with these people of being like, I, I just can't with the folks talking about being abducted by demons or aliens or whatever the, you know, the claim of the, of the minute was. Um, and no, yeah, I, I, I really hope to see all three of you doing more stuff in that vein of, of interacting with callers and doing stuff in real time. If, if, if you have any interest in doing more of that stuff, because um, it's, it's dynamic and uh, it's I exciting. It. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing with me that a lot of people don't realize is I'll, I'll talk to anybody about anything, no matter how ludicrous it might sound. And I'm, I'm going to be calm and have a conversation as long as someone is going to be calm and wants a conversation. The minute you start reading from a script and preaching, I have no interest in that whatsoever. Yeah, yeah and because you're just, they're closing down lines of communication. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've, I've no interest in that. But uh, Kenneth, before we go, just let us know what you're doing, what you're up to. Uh, yeah, mostly, mostly talking in these days, but still doing episodes of The Perspective here and there. Um, and uh, yeah, keeping it fairly low profile. It, you know, I, I have to really, really like a show to, to you know, come on and, and do something like this. So yeah, this is... Well, know, I deeply appreciate that. That's really good feedback. Well, and yeah. it, it, I mean, <laughs> Richard was saying like I was, in, I was in the chat during the live chat watching uh, when he was on The Perspective. Um, but that is I, high praise because most of the time... I, I don't tune in to watch people do stuff. But when I saw Richard was going to be on there, I was like, oh, well, I got to, I got to watch. So that's Fantastic. the, uh, that's the thing. You know what? But, this, this guy's like superstar to me. So it's like, really, that like just could so weird. You know, you know, what's so, so <laughs> what's so sad about that is I was supposed to be on the last episode of the perspective with him and I had a work conflict and I was like, Ethan, I cannot get there in time. And it's very unfortunate to hear that your show went so well and I wasn't there, but um, I'm glad to hear that he, that he did such an awesome show. That's it was great. Good. It was great. So very quickly, just before we go, because we do a quick. We're already over time and now we're just chit-chatting. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> very quick final thoughts on creationism just before we go. And we'll start with I, Kenneth since he's a guest. I would encourage anybody out there, if, if you are a, a creationist, whether you're young or old or whatever, um, I would just challenge you to question. And, and I'm drawing on Anthony Magnabosco here so, so heavily, but do, really look in the mirror and ask yourself, how much do you care about whether your beliefs are true and look at different ways of, of how we evaluate claims and, you know, whether you're subjecting your, your religious beliefs to the same level of scrutiny and skepticism that you would anything else in your life. Um, because this is the deal. All of us here, if, if, if creationism, if biblical creationism is true, we want to know it. And if it's true, we'll, we'll believe it, but you've got to show us, you've got to bring some sort of evidence. Um, So I would encourage you, if you do believe in a, in a literal biblical creation to, to look at what the evidence has to say. And if you find evidence for biblical creationism, uh, let us know. (laughs) And if not be willing to change your mind, be willing to let the, the evidence guide your beliefs and not, not the other way around. I love that. And I just want to tack onto that and then give um, Gil the final, the final word. And you can talk as long as you want to, but I just want to tack onto that really quick. Like one thing that I found about myself that um, is sort of rare in an adult is curiosity. Like just that childlike wanting to ask questions and being curious and just wanting to know what the actual truth is. Um, So I would just say going along with what Kenny was saying is be curious, like get, get geeky with it. Right. Like it's, it doesn't have to be this serious um, pursuit of like academic knowledge. It could just be asking questions. And if you have that sense of this doesn't make sense to me, instead of just accepting it, really delve into that and like explore why. Have fun with it. Yeah, my final thought is just sort of a sense of gratitude and thankfulness, I guess, in a way that I I happen to live in a country where there isn't this constant battle between like, you know, you were talking, Kenny, earlier on about like, uh, that Christian nationalist sort of um, wing in, 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 in terms of that, that battle all the time between people who want to actually teach children the truth and, and promote um, an understanding of the world, which is balanced and fair and backed up by evidence um, against people who just have a very uh, blinkered, religiously inspired uh, view of how the world came about. And I think, 
Um, in lots of ways, it, it still doesn't make sense to me how there can be that much of a controversy about something which, to me, seems and like for hundreds of years has just been accepted. Um, but yeah, there is still a big way to go in lots of ways. Um, so yeah, that's sort of my final thought, really. I like it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I just want to take one more opportunity to thank everybody who's listening, whether you're um, listening or watching on YouTube. Um, and I really wanted to thank um, Kenneth Leonard for coming on and spending this time with us. It was fascinating. And um, I'm going to tie almost every episode we say we need to do a follow-up because every topic, there's just so much to talk about. Um, but I would love to have you on again, either oh, following anytime. up with creationism or a whole new anytime. topic. Yeah, that would yeah. be fantastic. Um, it's and- always so much fun trying to coordinate these four different right, time zones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I think we've got it down. We got see, we're all four here, so we got it down. Um, so, yeah, we are very thankful to have had Kenneth Leonard. And in case you guys have forgotten between the beginning of the show and the end, we are Laura, Richard, and Richard. And this is Skeptic Hangout. Until next time, keep questioning, interrogate your beliefs, and please, please stay skeptical. Love it. Bye, all. See you later. Bye bye. Thank you.